Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Greetings, tomatoes everywhere. I'm Cheryl Benton, your host today, and welcome to this week's episode of the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour. Did you know that one in five people live with a mental health condition, but stigma and misinformation keep many from seeking help and finding support? May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and joining me today are two mental health advocates to help us understand the issues that are facing millions of Americans and the obstacles that stand in the way of recovery. Madeline Epstein Steinhardt is the author of a book of poetry called Put Your Boots On and Dance in the Rain, which I'm proud to say was published recently by the Three Tomatoes Book Publishing. And part of the proceeds of her book are going to Bring Change to Mind, a nonprofit group that was founded by the actress Glenn Close. And joining us from that organization is Dior Vargas, who's a regional program manager. So welcome and thank you for joining me today. It's great to have you both here. So Maddie, let's start with you. And by the way, I have to say, Maddie and I did not know each other before we started working on her book, but it was such a wonderful experience. And she is a very special person and she's really become a dear friend. So thanks, Maddie, for, for being here. So you're a retired New York City public school teacher. You're a media literacy expert and consultant, and you're a mental health advocate. You've been writing poetry since you were eight years old. And in fact, you've said that poetry saved your life. So could you share some of your struggles and how writing has helped you? Absolutely. Um, I was identified very young as a highly sensitive person. I thought that that was a joke, but that's legitimate. Sensitive people have issues. Um, someone looks at you the wrong way, you don't know how to react. And I was bullied as a child, so that didn't help. And the only thing I had, because my parents were, was writing. And the writing was my friend. I could read it. It didn't judge me. And it helped. Later on in life, it helped when a psychologist saw that something was not right. She read my poetry and she said, my God, you've suffered. I didn't know I suffered. And then I found that I had depression. And literally, that poetry saved my life because I know what is going on and how to deal with it. That is amazing to me that, um, I, and that story is so powerful, Maddie, because it really amazed me when you first told me that, that how many other people there probably are who are suffering from depression and don't even realize it. And I know you had said just having someone name it so you understood and then you could get, you could get help for it made such a difference in, in your life. So really, thank you for sharing that. So now let's talk about your book, Put Your Boots On and Dance in the Rain, because I know you started out writing these poems mainly for yourself, 
But after years of kind of hiding yourself behind your writing, you decided to put your poems and yourself out into the world. So what finally motivated you to share these beautiful and very personal poems? First of all, thank you for that. Two things. Um, I started to write on a website called HelloPoetry.com, and people started to react. I never had an audience. I mean, thank you. How did you know? How did you understand? Well, I wasn't planning on doing it for you, but that meant something. And then I kept hearing a real oldie song by Diana Ross, I'm Coming Out. <laughs> I'm having a coming out party. I talk to people. I maintain eye contact. It's almost as if the depression allowed me to move out. So I'm no longer a spectator. I'm participating. So that, I'm very grateful. That's a great story, and it's such a great message. And the book really takes people on your journey. And the poetry um, is divided into three different categories. There's agony and turmoil. And then we move into poems about recovery. And then the last section is called Gratitude. And the book is really such a wonderfully encouraging book of hope to anyone that there's a better day tomorrow. And I can't think of a better message for any of us to be getting right now in terms of everything that the world is going through. So thank you, Maddie, for that. So part of the proceeds of Maddie's book are going to bring change to mind. So let's move over to Dior Vargas. So tell us, how did this organization get started? Tell us a little bit about the mission and what is your role in the organization, Dior? Sure. Uh, so Bring Change to Mind was started about 10 years ago by uh, Glenn Close, as you mentioned before. Uh, originally, we were solely doing uh, public service announcements. There was one where we did an activity in Grand Central Station, and we continue to do public service announcements basically to remove the stigma uh, related to mental illness. Uh, and then about five years ago, we started the high school program, which started uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area with about 25 clubs. But as of this year, we are now in about 260 schools and reaching about 7,500 students. Uh, and we're in 16 states across the country. And so uh, basically, it's just an opportunity for students to learn and discuss mental health related issues as a group. Uh, it's very education and advocacy based. So students will be planning activities and hosting events. Uh, and it's really open to any student who's interested in bringing awareness surrounding mental health. And so we have a portal with a bunch of different activity sheets and resources and educational presentations. And so it's been really great to meet with a whole bunch of students who are really passionate about mental health and destigmatizing the conversation. Uh, we provide each school up to $500 per year in order to spend on the materials that they would need to have the activities. We also provide uh, the, a free uh, one-year subscription to Headspace, which is about $145. Uh, we want to make sure that we have as many resources available to our students. So uh, it's been really great. I'm the Tri-State Area Regional Program Manager, so I work to bring these mental health clubs to high schools in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Well, that's, that's a really wonderful story. And I know that I've read that uh, for Glenn Close, her reason for starting this was actually very personal because she has... Uh, uh, people in her family with mental health issues. I think her sister is bipolar and, uh, and there might be a, a nephew, which, so I, 
I think it is wonderful how this organization has now expanded. So why did the organization think it was so important to focus on high school kids and starting these clubs? Yeah, we're focused on prevention. So we think that while there are a lot of different uh, mental health organizations working with college students, we were thinking that it's important to start even earlier because a lot of the onset of symptoms start around uh, when students are entering high school. So we just wanted to be able to bring the conversation to them and make them feel like they have the agency to run the clubs because it is student-led uh, and peer-focused. Well, that's great. And I think the earlier you start, that might actually help because my next question is around the fact that we have so many misconceptions about mental illness, uh, starting with the fact that it is an illness. And with, uh, you know, and my question really is why after all these years of medical advancements with physical illnesses, that the mental health illnesses are still often undiagnosed and also stigmatized. Why do you think that is, Dior? I think it's just people uh, who don't understand something are going to fear it. And so, uh, and then I think when it comes to the re media representation, uh, it has been slowly improving, but overall, it's given a representation that makes people fearful of uh, people with those conditions and makes people think that there's a look to someone who has a mental illness. So uh, there's a lot of stigma being uh, spread around via how we talk about it, uh, media representation, there's a whole bunch of different things. So uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that the stigma is still around. Well, that's why I think it's so important what you're doing in terms of reaching uh, reaching high school kids, because if we can educate this generation, hopefully going forward, um, that will really help other people to get help and really help to to destigmatize us. So let's let's hope so. So I know there's really a lot of concern right now in the mental health communities about how people are mentally dealing with the pandemic. Um, anxiety and depression are exasperated. You know, I've talked to so many people through the Three Tomatoes who are feeling very anxious. Some are not sleeping. Uh, dreams, people having, you know, terrible nightmares about all of this. And I know a lot of the experts are concerned about the lingering effects uh, with PTSD, especially with our, our frontline workers. Um, for example, I, um, you know, we were talking about the stigma a little while ago. I had the opportunity very recently to interview Dr. Nicole Sapphire, who's uh, a board certified radiologist at um, Memorial Sloan Kettering, and she's actually just written a book called Make America Healthy Again. Uh, and she's going to be the keynote speaker at our virtual renewal summit, which we're launching on May 27th. But we were talking about the issues with the frontline workers. And this was right around the time that that terrible story about one of the, this young woman emergency room doctor uh, who committed suicide during the during the pandemic, which was such a sad story for us all to hear. So I said to Dr. Sapphire, I said, will the you know, medical community come together to make sure that they provide the mental health services to the frontline workers? And 
her answer actually astonished me. First of all, she shared that physicians have the highest rate of suicide of any group, which I had no, I had no idea. It was really startling. And she said, one of the problems is that physicians are very reluctant to seek mental health treatments. First of all, if they have anxiety or they take any kind of anxiety uh, medication, they have to report annually what they're doing. And for many of them, they feel like this could be a black mark against them. So if you've got physicians who are feeling this way still about mental health issues and even their own, um, I, that says a lot about what we need to change in terms of people feeling much more differently about mental health. So that that's one thing, if either of you want to comment on that. And also, what would you say to people right now who are really starting to struggle through these times? And, you know, the experts are all saying we're all experiencing trauma. We're all going through this. So, Maddie, let's let's start for you. Any of your thoughts on this would be welcome. The operative word that you said and is part of the organization that Dior represents is change. We don't like change. We're creatures of habit. We don't. They changed. They put New York, I'm not focusing on New York, they put the city that never sleeps to sleep. People don't know how to deal with that. That's the problem. And they don't talk to people. I mean, I'm in media literacy, I can tell you. It's text, it's they're talking. They're having Zoom meetings. They're having, they want to connect. That's what you have to do. Find somebody. Talk to a friend. There are online resources. You can talk to a therapist online. There's no shame in admitting something's wrong. But the power comes from you. You have to know. I didn't know. A doctor spotted it in me and got me to the right people who helped me. And the only thing I ever did was talk. I had talk therapy. That's what saved me and the writing. Talk to somebody. If you keep it in, you're going to burst. Don't burst. We need you. Oh, thank you, Maddie. And Dior, what are your thoughts on that? What would you say to people who are struggling right now? Uh, I would say that there are so many different ways to cope during this time. And whatever way that you're coping right now, not to judge yourself for that. I think that a lot of times we can feel a lot of pressure to be okay during this time. And there's a lot uh, going on in the media about how this time should be one where we should accomplish all the things that we normally uh, haven't been able to. But that, that's a lot to be putting on someone when your day-to-day -day life has changed drastically. So it's okay to relax. It's okay to not have finished your novel or any other type of goals that you've wanted to reach. Basically, just try to live day by day because that's the most that we can do right now. That's great advice. And, you know, you both have really touched on the how important connecting is. And I've really seen that come, come together during this pandemic. And if there is one of the good things, hopefully, that may come out of this is that we are connecting more. And people have learned to connect through Zoom in a way that we haven't before. We're talking to each other. We're often seeing each other. And I know, for example, uh, once a week, Maddie's been on a couple, I started very early on doing some Zoom cocktail parties. I really started it because I had some single friends in New York City, and I thought this is going to be very difficult for them. 
and once a week different people kind of come in and out and we focus on the positive we laugh we've talked about how to color our roots and whatnot but we i always do a check-in with everyone and i have to say that in almost every one of them there is someone on that call who that particular day is struggling and the beginning people didn't talk about but now they'll say something and it's been great because then the group has you know saying it's normal i've been feeling that way and providing them with support so it's been really interesting to see that we had one for example the, the last week um she's actually a friend of mine who has an apartment in new york city but she moved uh, she has also has a home upstate so she's been staying there and she said she suddenly started feeling so guilty that she was in the country when she had so many friends who were in New York City wow. trying to deal with that. And she actually broke down in tears on our Zoom call. So, you know, people it was almost like survivor's guilt. I guess that's the only only way I could I could have described that moment with her. But then we all rallied around her. We said she was feeling that way because she is someone who has empathy. And that's a good thing to have. So by the time we had on our next call, she was like, I'm so much better today. So the power of, of connecting is so important. And you've both really done a wonderful job sharing that point today. So Dior, are, are we making progress in dealing with mental health issues? And what could each one of us who are listening today, what can we do about to help bring about change in this er area? Yeah, I think that in comparison to about 10 years ago, we have made a lot of strides. We are talking about it more. There have been a lot of organizations that have been uh, created in order to really tackle the discussion surrounding mental health. I think that we need to talk about it more, even more than we already are. Uh, I think we need to make it a norm to have conversations about this. I think we need to be uh, cognizant of the language that we use. Um, I know that a lot of people are still trying to uh, use the best language and terms when it comes to talking about mental health, but not using the word like committed suicide because committed is usually uh, used in terms of uh, committing a crime and, you know, attempting suicide uh, and um, dying by suicide is the, that's the preferable term. So we're trying to make the language more positive and one that isn't stigmatizing towards others. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things that uh, we can do when it comes to how we discuss mental health. I think uh, trying to be more involved when it comes to policy, um, making sure that there's uh, mental health parity when it comes to really tackling the difference between physical and mental illness. Uh, writing uh, to uh, people in government, uh, as well as asking uh, future candidates uh, for president what their thoughts are on mental health and how they plan to include that in their plan. Uh, so I think that there are a lot of things that we can do, uh, and it's just about how, how we can start those uh, things. Well, that's wonderful. And Maddie, do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share with us? Well, first of all, I'm honored to be involved with Dior's organization, and she knows whatever I can do to help, they've got it, and I hope you plan on some things happening, but I can tell you one thing that did happen. Former student of mine contacted me, bought the book. I don't know how he found out, but he did. He is going to teach my book to his class next year. Oh, how? 
I was in shock. He said, what do you think? I said, go for it. If you need me, he said, I would be honored. So we've come through 60, but those kids are going to be discussing that. And the school psychologist is going to come in if they need her or the nurse. So they're talking. Thank you. They're communicating. As a media literacy expert, talk to people. Don't, you don't have to self-edit all the time. You know, we're in that realm now. We, we edit, edit, edit. We edit video. Sometimes you have to say it. Let it go and then come back to whatever path you have. That's well, Maddie, that's wonderful. And you should feel so good that you are really making a difference and that by putting yourself and your book out into the world, this is definitely going to make, make a difference. So I am so happy about the fact that you, you decided to do that. And I know it wasn't easy for you either. So I want to thank you both so much for this important and really enlightening conversation today. And Maddie's book, Put Your Boots On and Dance in the Rain, is a wonderful gift for anyone who needs hope and encouragement. And honestly, so many of us do right now. And it's available on Amazon. And to learn more about um, Bring Change to Mind, go visit their website at bringchangetomind.org and learn how you can find out, uh, find help, and how we can all help to destigmatize mental illness. So thank you again. Thank you for the hope and encouragement. We're all going to get through this difficult time right now and let's keep connecting with each other. So thank you both so much. Thank you.